Good morning, everybody. Well, welcome once again to uh, to our Sunday service. And uh, yes, the last few weeks been pretty uh, pretty full on and intense. You know, as as you all many of you all know. And uh, well, this this morning it will be just a little bit different. We've given covered a break, and Di and I we're gonna still on the same issue we're, we're gonna we're gonna share just look from the bible you know where everything sits but i want to ask Di, she's got so much she wants to talk about so uh Di, <laughs> no this is she's always yeah, got so much to say yeah, yeah no, no no but this is yeah it's a it's an important issue so awesome. uh, so uh, why, why don't all you right. just share what, what so this is what you God's and me baby just yep. the two of us all right yeah. so as Brian said it's been pretty full-on the last few weeks in the world and in Australia, everywhere, there's a lot of disruptions happening, major disruptions happening. I think, uh, I think they're probably going to be more on the earth as well. Um, and our role, Ram and I really see our role, and really the role of every senior pastor, uh, is to lead people through any sort of disruption on the earth and, and to just teach the people of God. You know, there are times where things are peaceful and there are times when there are things that are very unsettled. And so in... Whatever season we're in, as, as shepherds, That's and right. just like every other senior pastor, you know, throughout the world right now, or when it's their Sunday, they're going to be leading their people and teaching into what they uh, they need to be saying, so that they can help their people through these times. <clears throat> as Brian mentioned, we're giving Carvin a bit of a break this week. He's been incredible. He's been so raw and so real with us, and it's just been an incredible privilege to have one of our beloved friends and pastors and brothers and mm. son pour out his heart and he's been very courageous because basically he's poured out his life to you and I and all of his personal experiences and some of those things we hadn't heard before and of course many of you hadn't heard them before either. And I just am so blessed because he's been so inundated with text messages and phone calls from people in our church, people from workplaces that are used to working, people from the States who have been streaming in and watching, people that don't normally go to church, they've been watching and so touched and so moved by his story. And it's had a real incredible impact from people that even though most of us don't understand this, we're not from America, we don't fully grasp, we don't understand what it's like for, for, for most people around us, and yet I love the response that so many people have had. They're truly allowing themselves to kind of feel broken within themselves. And that's really beautiful, you know, that's really precious before God. It's kind of making everyone look at their own hearts. And I believe that's a real sign of humility when we do that. It's a real sign to me that the Holy Spirit is moving. I mean, Calvin's had text messages from different states in Australia, people that have been watching that used to be in our church, who passed through our church or know of him by people in our church. Like, it's quite extraordinary how people are really going deep and letting God speak to them. And people have even been apologizing to Calvin um, for being part of the status quo, you know, and... Uh, um, people have been saying, I'm sorry if I've ever othered you, like all these kind of things that comes like, I don't ever remember anyone doing that to me, but this is the level of self-reflection that is happening in people. They're taking that particular position and I, I'm so blessed to hear that because to me that's a real sign uh, and a mark of leadership in someone's life. Mm. You know, in DMS, our discipleship ministry school, I always say that you can't lead others 
until you can lead yourself. And so when there's sort of repentance or just self-reflection, even if there isn't a need for repentance, the very fact that somebody has stopped and slowed down enough to ask and to ask God and to look inwards, I love that, guys. That is so precious. That's the most powerful thing that we can do as a Christian. There's a scripture that says in Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24, it says, Search me, O Lord, if there's anything I've done, basically. You know, even as an eldership, Bram, myself, Bernadette, we've, it's taken us all, because we, we talk about this constantly, it's taken us all to a new level of awareness. And you might say, well, what's Bram got to be racist about? He's brown, black, I don't know how we describe Bram, he's dark. Um, but he said, yeah, I've been thinking about all the tribalism in Indonesia and, and things that I need to repent of. And right. Bernadette and I have been talking about you know, Ben's been saying to me that it's, it's like racism and, and just the stories of even sla slavery from America is kind of in every fabric of our society and our education system. She's even found books in her library at Dromkeen uh, reflecting slavery and, and racism. And these are things that we grew up with, little nursery rhymes we used to say as kids. These are all reflections and they're coming mm -hmm. from a very ugly era in the history of humanity in the world and so I love the fact that we can look at those things and begin to understand and begin to look at those and so the scripture says search me O God know my heart try me and know my anxious thoughts see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way you know it's a dangerous thing Pardon me to pray this because we will be, we will be tried by God when we say, "God, search me, know my heart." When we really come before God in complete humility, and we say, "Lord, try me, know my anxious thoughts," He's going to show us. And see what we see from that verse there is that anxiety leads to no good thing. Um, why? Because it doesn't actually focus on other people; it focuses on ourselves. So God is wanting to continually lead us out of that. And last week, Carvin ended with this amazing principle, amazing scripture, and I got phone calls from, from people saying that scripture that Carvin gave us, wow, I've heard that so many times, but I've never heard it like that. When he talked about the woman caught in adultery by the religious people, by the Pharisees and the scribes who, by the way, it says in, in John 8, it says, uh, verse one, it says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came into the temple and all the people were coming to him and sat down and began to teach them. And then in verse 3 it says, The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. In other words, they weren't in the slightest bit interested in his teaching. He was there sitting there teaching them, but they, they were so focused on being legalistic and showing up sin and being right in their doctrine that they, they completely missed the person of the truth teaching in the, in the synagogue. It's pretty amazing when you, when you look at that in the temple. Um, and of course, we know the story that he said, he who is without sin among you, let them be the first to throw a stone at her because they were ready to throw stones at her and kill her according to the law. And it says in verse 9, when they heard it, they began to go one by one. And then Jesus says, you know, they don't condemn you. No one's here to condemn you now, and I do not condemn you either. And I love how Carvin pointed out to us last week that imagine if they had dropped their stones and stayed. They dropped their mm. stones, but they walked away. Powerful. But imagine if they dropped their stones and stayed and let God actually deal with their own hearts. And 
he was using that verse, but the, the beautiful thing is since then, I've seen this happening in our church. So many people have literally dropped their stones, if there were any stones in the first place. There probably weren't any stones in their hands, but what I'm so blessed is that even from that place of already this humility, they stopped, they slowed down, and they listened, and it made them think about their own hearts. So, you know, it made, made us all say, Lord, what do I need to pay attention to here in my own heart? Because that's literally, like, those guys, the Pharisees and Sadducees, could literally have said, well, I'm not an adulteress, I'm not a woman, I'm not giving into this. But you see, they weren't able to look beyond that and see the heart of Jesus in the whole thing and go, all right, maybe I need to surrender and submit my heart to what is going on here. Mm. What do I need to pay attention to here in my own life? What do I need to unearth in my own heart? You know, and, and even now, obviously, this is a, a, a what we're seeing with racism and all the things from America. We, we can look at that and go, well, this is a, an African-American or a black American issue. We don't have that here. But really, when you go to the very core of it, it's a heart issue. We're going to look at that today. I, I want to go into that today. And um, so it's been a real eye-opener for so many people. And I'm really thankful to you, Melbourne Life and Jakarta Life and anyone who's watching, just the people that have contacted Carvin, you've really allowed Carvin's experiences to speak to you, even though it's so foreign to you and I. And you know what? That's what it looks like to have the ear of a disciple. That's what it looks like is to hear God in the midst of everything else. So today we're going to kind of share this and Bram's going to be talking about the what. And then I'm going to look about uh, sharing the why. Why? What is it that we need to speak into and why is it that we need to speak into these things? So, babe, over to you, my darling. All right. Well, it's kind of a bit of a miss what and why you and I we share together. But I'll just, I'll just give my perspective. I mean, the way I see it is like it is such an issue. Look, here, here I am, 60, nearly 66 years old. And I've heard about the, the racism growing up in Indonesia even about what happened in America and, and all those things. But I've never seen such a hotly debated issue in such a level, a global level like yeah. like, like this. It's it's crazy. And what it has done is it's so so uh, hotly debated in the, in that level that it heightens the awareness even on local levels like Australia. Now with the issue with the uh, with the uh, First Nation they call it and and uh, you know we call it and and the original people in in this nation and in everywhere and uh, which means and not only that but also in England and in many other countries I know which means as a church there's no room for us to ignore the situation we have to tackle the issue what does that really mean to us as a church existing in this sort of situation we can't ignore it and uh, obviously as you see in the multimedia and all uh, social media many issues and even watching tv different point of views but as a church we need to go back to the bible and and i believe there is a level plane uh, a plain field uh, scripturally where for all believers where do we stand as yeah. as disciples of Jesus Christ and and here's the thing you know the issues come up and it, it might make some people uncomfortable but that's the point that we need to talk about it don't just stay uncomfortable about it and, and in your discomfort but we need to 
to discuss it and talk about it, especially uh, as the church. And what is the, what does the Bible say? How how does it uh, does it seen? How is it seen in the Bible? Okay, and uh, I believe that at this point it's even more the need for for us to understand the meaning of the call for discipleship in this situation is even more important and I'm going to highlight that okay the, there are many aspects of the call of discipleship in, in the Bible but I want to focus on this one thing at the beginning when Jesus at the initial call for the discipleship and Jesus launched this first massive preaching called the Sermon on the Mount that is the first sermon he preached after the, calling the disciples and in this Sermon on the Mount one of the statements that Jesus uh, presented to, to the, the disciples, because it is actually a teaching for the disciples. As he sat down, the disciples gathered together, and in that teaching, Jesus made a statement, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. That's Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. And then, when you think about it, that, that language salt of the earth the, the the purpose of the salt is not to sit in the bowl or in the jar mm -hmm. and that's it it is meant to be put in the in a dish or some sort of food to actually impact its surrounding and i believe by that saying i believe what jesus is saying is that is the call of the disciples mm -hmm. is to impact our surrounding whoever whoever people around us and uh, and even taking the metaphor, in other words, the salt impact its surrounding, but its very essence, its flavor, the saltiness. And Jesus said, if you lose your saltiness, you are useless. Yeah. So the disciples, we lose our flavor. If you lose that flavor, we have no impact in the surrounding. And because of that, we are useless. Wow. So here's the thing. Hmm. What is the, 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 the flavor of the disciples? That's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. If you go a few verses back before that, Jesus described the flavor of the what disciples are supposed to look like and what kind of flavor, you know, being disciples of Jesus. And it's not in the Beatitudes. And I want to highlight some things, some, some of the flavor of disciples of Jesus. Meekness. <laughs> yeah. All right? That meekness will impact people. Now here's the thing. You got the flavor of the salt, you got the food there. But the flavor of the salt will mean nothing to the food if it's separated. If there's no engagement. The same, the same thing happens if the disciples, with all our meekness, another thing is merciful and pure in heart. It means nothing it says, yeah, great, you've got a pure heart, but unless you engage with people, unless there's an interaction with people, there's no impact whatsoever in the societies. You're just a salt in a jar. You mean nothing to the world. So here's the thing. How do we impact our surrounding? Number one, we've got to engage. There has to be a connection. Okay? How do we engage with people? I'll give three points here. Number one, awareness of where people are at. 
And in this situation, it is very important for us as disciples of Jesus to be aware of where people are at. And the next thing is, as disciples of Jesus, we all we tend to sort of try to fix people. We see people in situation that they don't need to be fixed. They just need for us to be with them. Yeah. You know, and be with them. And not to give them the answer, but to journey with them. So make, make them feel like, you know, I'm not alone in this thing. I got, I got friends. So you want to impact people first, you need to engage with them. Be with them. And then when that happens, then you can influence them. You see? You can influence them. Like, like Dan said, just be connected with them. And uh, all these things, let me say this, to impact people, to influence people, to, 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 to be with them. And these great qualities that we want to be, but we can't be effectively influence people, impact people, and be with them if we live in this bubble as the church, as God's people, as disciples, live in this bubble of ignorance. Yeah. And the dangerous language is all oh, this in America it's, it's 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 not related to us. No. Part of the disciples if discipleship is we want to equip you how to engage with people, how to to actually uh yeah how to to uh, be a, a person who just just believe in people and, and be with people. I want to give you a scripture as a warning, all right? This is how that, 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 that is very dangerous. It's a, I'm not going to read the scripture, I just want to tell a story. In John chapter 9, verse 1 to 41, all right? The disciples and Jesus walked and they were confronted with, confronted with this a man born blind. And as they're in that confrontation, they saw a man born blind. The first question the disciple asked is that, who sinned? This man or his parents that he born blind? I can imagine Jesus probably in his heart like, wait a minute, you just you're just watching someone suffering in the in the suffering sort of situation and condition, in that disadvantaged condition. The first question is, you have this lofty and theological question, who sinned? It's like, is that the first question? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be kidding me. So that's the disciples, and then <laughs> it's, it's funny because, and then the the, the blind man's parents and the, the his neighbors they're totally disengaged. Why? Because they try to save themselves. Because in the face of religious leaders, and worse still, the the expert of the law and the religious leaders, they question. The man's condition, is he really blind? Was he really healed? And then they question the legitimacy of Jesus' ministry. It's like, it kind of sounds like many of us, you know, we, we can get caught up in the details of, is it this, is it that? Like Jesus said, this guy is blind. The glory of God must be revealed, so let's, get, let's do the job. Yeah. It's that simple. Jesus, because Jesus said, neither. Forget that. Let's get on with it and fix the man. Yeah. And I think that is that should be the heart of, of, yeah. of the disciples of Jesus. 
And we have this argument, we get caught up with the data and the statistics and all those things from media and multimedia and who else, what, what, what is there, are there. Really, Jesus said, just engage with the people and take care of them. They're suffering. There are people there. Yeah. Now, there are different levels of, of, of racism, prejudice and tribalism, all those things. We just need... People just need to know that they actually matter to the point that we want to be with them. And I think that scripture is a good scripture. Let us not repeat the same mistake the disciples did in a situation like somebody's going through something and I don't know We go through the conceptual stuff. No, no, no. I, I want to invite you guys. Let's equip ourselves and prepare our hearts to engage with people. I think that's pretty much, I don't know, you've got many more things to say. Go for it. Let's get them but, from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's awesome. So let's ask the question, what is God doing right now? Now, that's a very lofty sort of question for anyone to think that they can answer. Uh, because who are we? We don't know. The only authority that we actually have is the Word of God. This isn't about us going off thinking we're all hearing from God and it must be this and it must be that. No, all of us, you and I, only really have the Word of God. That is the final authority yeah. that we submit keep it ourselves simple. to. Yeah, keep it simple, stupid. Let's get <laughs> talking to myself, not you, of course. Um, <clears throat> all right, so let's, let's, let's try and understand what God is saying. Let's go to the authority of the Word of God. Let's slow ourselves down. Let's just see what God is saying and try and understand because there are a lot of disruptions happening at the moment mm. on the earth. You know, first of all, we have the, the virus and then we have uh, all this, this uh, disruption with, with the racism and then who knows what might be next. And I have a sense there probably will be more things as we go forward. So a lot of people are talking about the end of times, the end of the age, and everyone's trying to run to the book of Revelations and begin to understand and become theologians in 24 hours. <laughs> and, um, you know... Good luck with that. Yeah, where, where do we start on all of this? And I get it, guys, I get it. Where it's very disruptive when there's fear abounding, it's very, very unsettling and it's very confusing. But the disciples were also asking, so we can go back to the scriptures and actually look at what, what happened when the disciples asked Jesus, because mm. they also asked him, what's going to happen at the end of the age? I mean, are we at the end of the age? I don't know. But clearly, every day we wake up, we're getting closer to the sure. end of the age. So we know that much. Who am I to say whether it's going to happen sooner or it might happen in 100 years' time? I don't know. But I know that the disciples were asking it back then, and people are probably asking it even now. So let's go to the scriptures and see how Jesus spoke to them and see what he said, because that's our truth, that's our rock, that's our foundation, that's our anchor. So let's look at Matthew 24, and we'll start at verse 24. Oh, sorry, Matthew 24, starting at verse 4. My brain's getting ahead of me, as usual. And Jesus answered and said to them, and I'm reading this from the New American Standard, if you're wondering what version it is. Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. 
But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Do you need a glass of water? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <coughs> but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Josh, do you mind getting Dad another full glass so that we're all good? Uh, Sorry, the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, some people say that that was talking about 70 AD. Some people say it's about the end of the age. Let's just leave it. Let's just keep it simple. Let's just understand that the gospel of the kingdom has to be preached to the whole world and a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Okay, so let's start from there. So I believe God is calling everyone to a higher road. Those of us who truly want to learn in this season and who truly want to grasp what God is doing. Sorry, we just have a bit of disruption. (laughs) This is live, guys. Live live TV. It's awesome. All right, let's, let's focus. Let's focus. Those of us who truly want to learn and take responsibility for our own discipleship, we have to know our Bibles and we can't be led blindly by anything and everything that's happening around us. Because it says in verse 4, see to it that no one misleads you. It's not talking to the, it's talking to individuals. Don't let anyone mislead you. So he gives us the signs of what's going to happen in the last days. And in these particular verses, you can see that it's made up of triggers and it's made up of responses. So if you look at the triggers, some of the triggers will be events. One of the events is rumours of war. There are going to be wars and rumours of war. But he says then what the response could be. It could be fear. And he says, but see to it that you are not frightened. Why? Because fear and anxiety lead us to bad places. Remember we read that, that scripture earlier that searched me and see if there's any anxious or wicked thing in me. Because I don't want anything that is going to produce something that is hurtful to me in the long run, okay? So we have to have uh, an understanding, and through these scriptures, there's an inevitability because he's saying they will take place. These things must take place. What's another trigger? So obviously we see, number one, the triggers can be events. We see wars, rumors of wars, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, earthquakes these are events that are going to happen and the fear the natural fear in any of us is the natural response in any of us is fear but he's saying don't be frightened because these things have to happen all right what's the next what's the next trigger that we see in these scriptures we can see that there are going to be leaders that will arise in these kind of seasons and what does it say at that time in verse 10 many will fall away and will be betray one another and hate one another Many false prophets will arise and will mislead one another. So we're going to see that there are going to be false voices that are going to begin to arise. This is what happens when there are disruptions, when there are things that unsettle the earth and unsettle the world. We have to understand these are principles that actually happen. And then what are the responses that could happen? The responses will be in people's behavior. It will be betrayal. It will be hatred of each other. It will be cold hearts. It says, and and in those times, people's love will grow cold. 
See, fear is deadly. Fear is ugly. Fear is what stirs up stuff in our lives that leads us into bad places. Right? This is why in our post-DMS masterclasses that we're running right now, we're teaching on tears, wolves, and false prophets and talk about everything converging. And, you know, some people are saying, oh, is that really relevant? It's so relevant. You better believe it's relevant. It nearly destroyed our own church. A few years ago, we nearly experienced destruction. So if we as a really simple little small church can't recognize it, then how will we ever recognize it in the world around us? And it's not about, oh, I perceive this or I sense this or I discern that. No, what does the world tell us about? Oh, sorry, what does the word tell us about these things? Mm. Let's go back to the word. Let's be strong in the word of God. Let's have the ears of a disciple. Let's submit ourselves to what the word of God tells us to. So that's why we teach on these things. And I believe right now God is literally wanting to shake our hearts to soften them. Because what's happening, see, the Bible teaches us a principle that our hearts are actually hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So sin has the power to absolutely deceive us. Mm. And when we're deceived by it, our hearts grow hard. Mm. And what can sin be? It can be self-preservation. It can be pride. It can be arrogance. But all those things then manifest in fear. If we have at the very core of our being self-preservation and only thinking about ourselves, if we have pride in ourselves, if we have arrogance thinking that we know better, they will manifest in fear. And when we have fear, we're not going to see God move in our lives. And so he wants to soften our hearts, shake our hearts right now. So this is what my, my interpretation of that scripture that we just read before. It talks about wars and rumors of wars. You know, guys, right now, there are conspiracy theories abounding. Mm. There are rumors Crazy. of everything, everywhere. Now, am I saying those rumors are true? I actually don't know. Mm. They actually could be true. Every conspiracy theory that you or I read about, they could be true. But what's Jesus telling us in this scripture? We can't be afraid. He's saying, don't be afraid. Because later on, we can see in the scripture, it says the perfect love. It's in 1 John 4, 18, if you're looking for it. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. So yes, there are rumors of wars. There are rumors everywhere. It could be this. Is it 5G? Is it, you know, is it Bill Gates? Is it the vaccine? Is it, is it the Antichrist? Is it the one world government? You know, and then you think, well, the Bible clearly says that the, the Antichrist is going to come out of a, uh, it could be a government system. It could also be a spiritual thing. Is it going to come out of the church? Guys, there are so many things to look at. But regardless of any of that, what does the Bible tell us to do in here? He's telling us really clearly, this is how my people are to respond. There will be wars. There will be rumors of wars. There'll be conspiracy theories about everything you can imagine. Everything you can imagine. Okay? And the Bible tells us, yes, these things are going to happen. They must happen. We just read that. But these things must take place. Okay? So we can't, we can't stop this. We can't. Yeah. We can't all go run to the book of Revelation and try and make it stop from happening or try and make it happen or protect ourselves in it. Guys, these things must happen. All right? So what do we do? We've got to know our Bibles. We've got to test every spirit. But more than anything, we have to walk in the love of God above everything else. 
don't fear perfect love casts out fear if we're fearing if we've got absolute fear engulfing our heart guess what it's going to cause lovelessness that's what we just read it's going to cause us to be go into self-preservation it's, it's what makes people panic by it's what makes people suspicious of all these rumors it makes us it makes us focus on ourselves fear makes us tribal guys and boy do I see that happening right now but you know what let's be a let's be the voice of truth let's be the voice of the power of God's love I'm not saying we're not saying we don't know anything what what these conspiracy theories are whether they're true whether they're not true all I know is Jesus said there are many things that will happen and they have to happen so as my people this is what you have to do you will be hated because you belong That's to right. me so we already know we're going to be hated how do we respond in the midst of that? Do we go into lockdown? Do we go into self-preservation? Do we go into absolute being consumed with fear? I don't think so. See, the, the Bible says that in Matthew 5, 8, the pure in heart shall see God. We will see what God is doing there. So this is our starting place. If we can see God now, it will lead us through the coming upheaval that is inevitable in our lives. All right? If we can see God in, in all of this, because fear is like a veil. It, it's like a veil that comes down. But, you know, when you kind of push away, you know, you push away all the conspiracy theories, you push away the fear of, of what people are saying and doing, and can I trust the internet, and can I trust this? No, we probably can't trust anything, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, do I have any fear? I actually don't. I, I really don't. Because when you push the cloud of fear away and get rid of all that stuff, you know what you see? You see, on the other side, you see a carven. You see a, Good. another carven. Good you see a human being that's suffering. That's it. And that's what God wants us to focus on. He wants us that's to see it. that. But the Bible says clearly that anxiety makes us do hurtful things. It makes us protect ourselves. You know, I, I want to read you a scripture. And we'll probably have to finish here because, obviously, I always have a lot to say. And I've got several more pages of notes, but we might pick that up another time. But let's just look at Acts chapter 4. And this is, this is amazing. You know, <clears throat> this, this is what the early church did when there was persecution, when there was huge upheaval. When, thanks, Josh. When there were... <laughs> <laughs> live, live TV, guys, live. Um, when there were huge things that were happening in the world. Let me just read what they did. You know, Peter and John had been arrested because they'd been preaching in the name of Jesus and they'd been threatened and then they were released uh, from being arrested. They were, they were actually released. And you know what the early church did? They didn't give in to fear. This is what's so incredible. They didn't all get into that. They didn't all start to build underground bunkers. I don't know if anyone's doing that, but I could imagine there would be people who are doing that. They didn't start to get suspicious. They didn't need to get suspicious. Everyone's rejection of them was blatant. It was right out there. Everything was right in their face. They were despised. They were hated by everyone. But you know what they did? They didn't respond in fear. They responded in the most incredible way. They began to pray. It says in verse 24, And when they heard this, that the guys had been released, they lifted their voices to God with one accord. There was such unity. Not unity in fear, but unity in faith. 
unity in the power of God. And they said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, and and they go on to quote scriptures. And it says, for truly in verse 27, in this city, they were gathered against your Holy servant Jesus. See, people are coming against Jesus himself. That's why these things have to happen. If it happened to Jesus, it's going to happen to his body. But this is how we as the body of Christ have to respond. We respond from a place of death to our own needs, death to our own safety, death to our own emotional perspective, death to our own everything that's trying to come against us. And we lay down our lives on behalf of people. This is what they did. They have, uh, sorry, I've lost my point, lost my part. For truly in the city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. See, once again, these things must happen. They're acknowledging these things were supposed to happen. Mm. They were meant to occur. They were predestined to occur. But look, look at how they respond. And now, Lord, take note of their threats. In other words, Lord, you see what's going on around us. Only you know what's actually being said in the hearts and minds of people right now. Only you know what's being whispered in, in, the, in the highest echelons of, of boardrooms and governments and, and, uh, and, and secret, secret um, groups that, that might be doing all sorts of things. Only you know. Only God knows, guys. But look what they said. Take note of their threats and grant that your bond servants... What? May speak your word with all confidence. All right, so they're asking God, God, make us even bolder in this moment. While this stuff is pushing back against us, make us even bolder, Lord. Make us even stronger, but not in some obnoxious way. You know, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to see so many Christians being absolutely obnoxious in how they're they're presenting their arguments i think what are all my unsaved friends and family think when they read all the stuff and see this stuff that's not how the early church responded you know what they did they said while you extend your hand to heal and to and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant jesus they focused on people They focused on the people out there. They said, God, they're all being deluded. They're all being deceived. Yes, God, you know what's happening. These things were meant to happen. They were preconceived. They were already ordered by you. Lord, you knew we would be here at this step. But God, we're not going to give in to fear. We're going to be united in our faith. We're going to stand firm in what you've given us. And Lord, we're not going to go into our underground bunkers. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. We're going to stretch out our hands. And we're going to pray that you would demonstrate your power and the power of your name we pray that your people would be healed wow they prayed for the very people who were persecuting them they prayed for the very people who were who were creating the wars and the rumors of wars they prayed for these people this is who we are church let's wake up we've forgotten our identity we are people who have power on on earth to declare what is legal on earth and it will be declared legal in heaven to declare things that are illegal on earth they will be declared illegal in heaven we have the power of the kingdom of heaven behind us we have the authority of God within us we have the one who who created heaven and earth within us we have the kingdom of God 
within us. Come on church, stop all this fear nonsense. Let's get rid of that. Let's look beyond that and let's see humanity that's where everything's being clouded by all this stuff that's in front of us. But God says, no, I want you to see. I want you to see with my eyes and I want you to hear with my ears. And I'm speaking truth and I'm speaking love and I'm speaking compassion. And right now, right now, what God is doing right now is he's developing compassion and empathy in our hearts. You know why? You know why compassion has to, it, it's like what Brown was saying, that has to be in our hearts. That is number one base point. These people, the book of Acts people, the early church, they had compassion in their hearts. It wasn't even their own compassion, guys. This is, it's not by our might, it's not by our power, it's by his spirit. We need the spirit of God to put compassion and empathy in our hearts right now. Fear will not allow that, but the Spirit of God will consume you with it. If you'll let fear go out the door, if you'll stop trying to figure out, if all of us stop trying to figure out where we're at in the book of Revelations, guys, it's going to happen. Okay? These things must take place. But see to it that you are not frightened. See to it that you are not led astray by false prophets. Now, I have no clue who the false prophets are. All I know is I've got the Word of God to lead me in truth. And that's my foundation. And then God is going to give us this heart that sees people. So guys, let's start there. If that's what God is showing us right now, if God is saying for you to, you know, Jesus. Okay, and I'm going to end with this. Why is God developing compassion in us right now? Why is God trying to bring up empathy in our hearts so that we will pray like the early church prayed? Why is he doing that? Because, first of all, perfect love casts out fear. And faith can only work through love. We're going to see the greatest influx of people coming to know God. Because we will be fearless to love them and mm. listen. And to have compassion for, for where they are. You know, Jesus, if you look in the, in the Gospels, it says, Jesus was moved with compassion. And then what was the very next thing he did? He healed them. He healed them of blindness. He healed them of leprosy. See, we want to see a move of God. It doesn't come by being fearful. It comes from loving and understanding who we are. Like Brahm spoke into our identity as the church, as the people of God. We are lovers of people, but we are faith-filled people. We are fearless people. We know there will be wars and rumors of wars. Are we meant to figure it out? And go into fasting and praying and trying to figure out, oh my gosh, is it, is it the 5G? Is it, is it the spirit of Antichrist and the one world government? Guys, it's all going to happen. Okay? These things must happen. And you know what? They're going to hate us. But what do we do when people hate us? Do we hate back? No, we do not hate back. Because we can't call ourselves Christians if we hate back. Okay? Guys, this is awesome. This is a moment for us to truly, truly hear God. Let's, let's just finish with that song. We're going to have communion. Remember, fear makes us tribal. Oh, yes, Brahm's going to become our minstrel now. <clears throat> He's changing hats. Fear makes you and I tribal. But perfect love makes us united. And that's what the early church were. They were united in love. And they prayed for other people. And they prayed for their healing. They prayed for their very healing. All right? All right, we're going to sing. <laughs> Has something gone wrong with the camera? It's all good. 
It's alright, we're here, we're here. I like this version, it doesn't show up my wrinkles as much. Dave Tambia just tried to sneak past. That was good, Dave, he did that well. A little bit better. Alright. Alright, are we. This is what we're gonna do. God wants us to grow up into maturity. And look. Okay, while we're getting all that focus, let's just listen here for a sec. I get it, guys. I get it. Fear is debilitating. Anxiety is debilitating. But if we give in to anxiety, it's like that scripture I read at the very start. Know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful or wicked way in me. When we're anxious, the only pathway out of that is wickedness. We hurt ourselves, we hurt others. Inadvertently, not, not deliberately. God is wanting to deal with the root of fear here right now. That's what I believe from my small perspective. Guys, let's, let's, let's love like we've never loved before. Let's listen like we've never listened before. Okay, I, I've got some homework for you, Melbourne Life. You want to hear your homework for this week? See, the Bible says if we can't love our brother who is in front of us, then how can we truly say we love God whom we have not seen? Yeah? If we can't love our brother who we see, how can we truly love him who we can't see? This is our homework. We're going to ask someone this week to tell us this, their story. You know, I know so much about racism. It seems like God has started us on this subject with racism, okay? Not us as a church. I'm talking about us as the world. Yeah? It's triggered a lot of fears, triggered a lot of hurt. It's triggered, I know it's triggering a lot of pain in Carvin, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying that publicly, but it's, it's, it's breaking him. And I think we've kind of seen that the last three weeks. And he's our brother. We don't understand it because we haven't had his experiences. But you know, when we love people, we're going to want to put ourselves in their shoes and understand. So Melbourne Life, this is our homework for this week. I want you to ring up someone in our church. Our church is full of people who can answer these questions. Ring somebody in our church and just don't just say, hi, how are you? Say, okay, have you ever experienced any form of, in Australia, it's probably very subtle forms of racism. But if we want to develop this, this compassion and this empathy in our hearts, let's go with the subject of what God has clearly raised at this moment, okay? Ring Herman and May. Ring Femi. Ring Dave Tambia. We can all ask him afterwards. Ring Dave Nusantana. Ring Ange, Sam. The list goes on. Our church is filled with people, yeah, that we can ask. Have you ever experienced? Ask Bram. No one's asked Bram yet. No one's asked Bram. I've asked him. My kids have asked him. Ask them, have you ever experienced this before? You know, before we go out and put all our stats on social media, show me that you have a relationship with somebody who represents that stat. Okay? Not show me. Let's show ourselves. let's, Let's drop our stones and let's just stay. Let's just stay and let God speak to us in this moment. Yeah? And if that's what God is developing in us, it love. Because remember, when we start to operate in compassion and empathy like this, oh my gosh, fear's going to go. And it really isn't going to matter what happens. It's all going to happen anyway. So come on, guys, we can do this. We are 
God's body, we are the body of Jesus, the anointed one, here on earth. And he is moving. He's wanting to touch your heart. He's wanting to touch my heart. I told you in the first week, I've been saying sorry to Brahm constantly. Little subtle things. Only God could do that in me. You know, trying to perfect his accent. So that it makes him more presentable to people. Why, why would I do that? Why do I need to do that? You know? I don't need to do that. Wow. God, you are good. Come on, he loves us so much. Let's just love one another this week. And if you've been full of fear and anxiety, it's okay. This is part of the journey. This is part of discipleship. This is part of having the ear of a disciple. This is part of learning how to surrender. This is, this is the ongoing work of the cross that we talk about in DMS that is so vital for us to understand. The cross isn't about head knowledge. It's about daily living. All right? So let's just sing the song. Go grab some bread or something for communion. Let's, let's have communion together.